Welcome to MobyCast. This is the third part of our re-release and remaster of The Birth of NoSQL and DynamoDB. We've been re-releasing this because it really is one of our most fun series where we get to know Chris and his personal story of founding Viathan, which was one of the original NoSQL databases, one that was thought up before Mongo, before DynamoDB, and before all of it. Um, Chris tells the story of leaving Microsoft to found this company, and he told that story mostly in the first two episodes. So now we're going to start talking about the fundamental details of DynamoDB so that you can get to know how Chris talks about technology and how I, your host, John Christensen, sort of pepper him with questions and come to understand the technical details that he is laying out. So I hope you enjoy this third part of the five-part series. And yeah, let's jump right in. Welcome to MobyCast, a show about the techniques and technologies used by the best cloud-native software teams. Each week, your hosts John Christensen and Chris Hickman pick a software concept and dive deep to figure it out. Hello and welcome, Rich and Chris, another episode of MobyCast. Hey guys. Hey John. Hey Chris. All right. How's it? Go- so I would say, how's it going? And, and let's talk about our weeks. But we're we're on episode three now of, of what's been some of my most fun times here at MobyCast so far, which is just talking about um, DynamoDB and Chris's history in the internet data storage world. This time we're going to steer sort of back away from Chris's personal story, which which I'm kind of sad about because that's so fun for me and so interesting. But we do have to cover some technical stuff and hope hope that people can learn on this uh, podcast. So we're going to talk about DynamoDB a little bit more and really get into the internals of what it is and how it works and, and all that stuff. So um, I think that an obvious place to start with a conversation like this is just about NoSQL and, and just why NoSQL. It's, a, it's been talked about to death. But, uh, you know, let's just at least at least gloss over some of the highlights of that conversation. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so we, we, touched, we touched on this previous two episodes, you know, and what are the, the, the challenges of being internet scale, um, the types of data that, that's being collected and whatnot. So maybe just as a recap, kind of just, just, just talking a little bit about like, okay, what, what has been the evolution of data? And, you know, previously, before the internet really became a, 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 where we needed to have internet scale databases, SQL and relational databases definitely ruled the world. Maybe the interesting thing to, to consider with that is that for the most part, SQL, it came about as a way to optimize for storage. When it was developed, storage especially was was very expensive. And so... By going with um, a normalized data model where you basically aren't replicating the data, you could save on storage space, right? So this is one of the primary motivations behind building these these relational systems in SQL. So optimize for storage because storage is really expensive. The data is normalized so you don't have duplicates and you have these 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 multiple tables of the data and they're they're connected together through keys. And then they're also built to scale vertically, right? You don't, in order to handle more load, you get a bigger machine or you add more storage or you add more more memory or or CPU power. But, you know, here we are 
you know, another 20, 30 years into the future. And now storage is really cheap um, and we have lots and lots of it. So this was one of the reasons for um, going to NoSQL. NoSQL is, is definitely more of a, it's, it's denormalized data. So you, rather than making references to your data in, in other collections, you just you keep it all together, basically kind of like as, a, as an atomic unit. And so there's some duplication of data for sure, but again, storage is, is not nearly so much of, a, of an issue as is scalability um, and the, abil- the ability to score, uh, to scale horizontally. So that was really kind of what drove this evolution from SQL to, to NoSQL. It's just basically just realizing that the constraints were now different. The, the economics of, of the, the resources that are being used are different. And this, this model came about. Right. I, I remember memes before they were called memes, um, kind of joking at people that were going to Mongo, you know, long time ago. Uh, that were that were basically making fun of of like the fact that people were using it for not internet scale problems, and you know it's like are you internet scale and no no a lot of people were not internet scale so so it, it was that scalability that that was the first driving force behind it and it wasn't it something like Groupon or something that was one of the first users of Mongo in particular at scale. I don't recall exactly, um, you know, who some of those first marquee customers were for, mm-hmm. for Mongo, but definitely, it, you know, it, it did kind of, I think, I mean, it was probably like 2010 around that time frame. I think when kind of Mongo appeared on the scene. Um, yep. uh, and it was so, after it, it came after couch DB, but I think it came a little stronger and then with a little bit more, you know, it was like more buttoned up and ready for people to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they probably had more resources behind them. And they were able to to iterate more quickly and get some of that that market market recognition and and share that comes along with it. Right. And so we were going to talk about DynamoDB here. And you know what's interesting for me about DynamoDB is that it's been around longer than either of those. Um, and we you know we went kind of deep into the history of that before, but but I think it's only this year. And it could just be me and I'm projecting on the world, but I think it's only this year that people are realizing that Dynamo is not an ugly stepchild of Mongo and it's not like a, you know, a newer entrant and it's not a half thought up thing, but it's actually the OG kind of the OG of NoSQL databases. And it's really very good and, and managed in AWS. I think people are kind of realizing this and talking about it a lot and making the decision to use it. So let's talk about what it is. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, MongoDB, um, just like, I mean, DynamoDB, just like MongoDB, um, you know, the NoSQL offerings, you know, think of them as for the most part, they're, they're document stores or they're, they're key value stores. So you're, again, the, the data is denormalized. You're basically fetching something based upon some kind of, of key. And it, you can think of it as just a, a bag of data that's, that's coming along for the ride. So it's a, it's a document um, or it's a value type thing. It's also DynamoDB in particular is, is definitely geared towards event-driven programming, which is you know really kind of a very popular pattern is because and we've, and we've talked about this before on, on previous episodes of MobyCast. it's it's very popular and it's gonna it's gonna become even more popular um it's d- 
designing distributed systems that are complicated, going to an event-driven model is kind of key in order to reduce the complexity. Um, so DynamoDB has native support for that, and we can talk a little bit about that um, as we as we dive into it more. And then, of course, DynamoDB is designed to be very, very, very scalable, um, very performant. One of the things that uh, at reInvent this year that they pointed out is a single table in Dynamo can handle 4 million transactions per second. That's a lot. No way. That's, I, did not, I was not there to hear that. That's amazing. 4 million transactions a second. Like, I, I mean, so that, that ends up being what? Like a, a quarter billion a minute? Right. Yeah, that's, right. that's unbelievable. That's every four minutes doing a billion transactions. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's very scalable, very performant. Right. And that, that's the power of scale out. Right. That's the power of horizontal scaling and partition, partitioning and sharding. Um, and that's why these systems are really good at this. And they can do this partitioning and sharding because of that NoSQL data model. Right. It's the data is denormalized. It's not normalized when it's when it's normalized data, like it is in a relational database system. You have just this. Um, it's this uh, network of connections um, and links that just make it very, very difficult to, to isolate that data and to partition it up. This is really what NoSQL systems are really good at, and hence why they're really good at, at this internet scale databases and the kind of data that we need to store for these internet applications. Actually, I want to, I want to dive into something here that's, that's always confused me a little bit, and that's that... So when you're working with a NoSQL database and you know that there's a lot of data that's just replicated in there and you kind of don't worry about it too much because, you know, that's being normalized is not important to a NoSQL database and it's just not how they work. But what I kind of get tripped up on is keeping all that data in sync so that if, so what I'm saying is if you go, if you have, say, an attribute that then 10 or 15 different kinds of documents that spread out all over your NoSQL database and you need to update just that attribute, that means, to me, in my mind, that means you've got to go find all those documents and update that attribute. And I just kind of trip over that. My mind just trips over that and feels and says, how could that possibly be performant? And I don't know if you could just talk about, help me not trip over that a little bit. And I, I, I realized I didn't prepare you for that question. It could be a fairly difficult question that so we can punt it, but, but that's what I get stuck on. Yeah. And it just really depends on, you know, what, what data is changing the kind of data that you are replicating and whether or not, whether or not that needs to be updated. Are you doing this for, for query reasons, for building indexes, you know, that gives rise to other techniques. So there, there are definitely techniques that you can use that you don't, you don't really have this problem, right? You can design yourself around it. I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? To say like, okay, I'm going to go update like the title of a document. And that means I have to go now make 15 write operations because I've replicated that like across 15 other um, documents in my table and what happens. I mean, it just, you wouldn't want to do that, right? It's just, it's, right. It's, it just doesn't make sense. So, so you, so that's, you would design your model and, and kind of your data so that you weren't having to do that, right? So you, you can pick and choose, like, what, what's the data that you 
want to replicate and keep together? And then, um, you know, do you want to keep data that may be changed that is common? So, I mean, I think like a good example of this would be like you have a list of types of uh, of users or something like that, or may, or you know, and, and maybe you so so you you store the type of user, and maybe it's a, you want to keep the the friendly lab, label for it. It's a string, right? So you have like admin, you have like read only user, you have a um, you know a normal user account. So so you have you know various different types of of users and labels that goes along with them, and that you may you may include that label in each one of your user documents. So the chance that I mean, you're, so you can you can replicate that across, right? Like you can you could have a million users registered in your system, and they all have that as their label. Um, mm-hmm. But chances are you're not going to change that, right? Like you wouldn't, like you're not going to update the title for the admin user necessarily, right? You know, the same thing with like like if if you kept track of like states and the and the postal um, abbreviations for them, you could duplicate that data. But chances are it's not changing. And you don't have to worry about that. So, right, or if it does, you can do it with one big go. But like this exact problem is the exact thing that I get my I get kind of wrapped around the axle with when I think about NoSQL database design. And I, I realize we we do want to get back over to DynamoDB and what it is and how it's designed. But but just bear with me for a little bit. So yeah, you've got your admins and you've got your normal users and you've got your read only users and they each have different label. Um, and I would imagine the kinds of queries that you would want to do would be, okay, give me Steve. And what kind of user is Steve? Steve's an admin. Okay, cool. Steve can do this. But then the other kind of query you might want to do is tell me all the admins. Um, and if you only have the admins as an attribute under the users, then that's a painful query, right? You have to go get all of the users and then look at all of their role types. And then, and then okay, now I can tell you who all the admins are. That's, a, that's not a good way to doing that query. But then, so, so you're like, okay, we're going to not worry about duplication of data, and instead we're going to have all the users and their role is going to be in the user record, and then we're also going to have another document that just has, at the top level, it's going to be each user type. So there's going to be, at the top level, it'll be, here's the admins, here's the normal users, and here's the read-only users. And then under each one of those nodes will be a list of every user or their IDs or something. So then it's, it, it just seems to me that there could be a problem having both of those sitting around, having that data stored in both of those two different ways. You see what I mean? Like, doesn't it seem like that? Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is, this is where, where indexes come into play for sure. So, like, if you wanted to, if, if you had a query pattern where you just had to go get all normal users or all admin users, you would just index on that particular attribute in your, in your table, right? So... Um, and that would end up being a very fast and very performant operation. Okay, okay so an index is essentially just going to take all that data and store it in another um, it's way. Entry. It's going to store it in a, like another order so that you can get stuff in the order that it's stored in. And and if each the index needs to be kept up to date and all that, and that could be expensive, but that's fine. You can let the database system take care of that, and you don't have to. Uh-huh. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so so indexes are super important, right? With with things like DynamoDB, um, and really kind of understanding like what are your query patterns and what where do you need indexes and how do you do that and things. I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think that when I used um, Mongo on a big project and it was in like 2010 or 11, it did not have indexes. Like it wasn't a feature. I could be wrong, but I think they just didn't have it. And that was what was killing us. We were like, oh my God, these queries are so slow. Mm-hmm. So let's just duplicate the data. 
Okay, now they're fast again. Oh, now we have a horrible mess of data on our hands. Mm. Yeah, I, personally, I started using Mongo in 2012, and okay. it, had, it had index support. <laughs> Interesting. It, it could very well have, and it could have been that we were just you know, missing the boat. But mm-hmm. yeah, indexes make a ton of sense. Yes. And, there, and there's lots of support for that with, with DynamoDB, DynamoDB. And maybe this is a good time to kind of talk about just like the overall terminology yeah. for DynamoDB, right? Quick interruption to ask you to please go to mobicast.fm slash show notes and sign up for our show notes. Those give us a chance to send you the show notes once a week. Um, they're detailed outlines that have all the information that we present in the show, which makes your email searchable. Really cool. And we definitely don't use that address to spam you. In fact, we can barely remember even to send out the show notes every week. So thanks for signing up. Like with relational systems, Dynamo has this concept of table. Um, the table is basically a collection of these documents or these key value things. And so those particular components referred to as items. So you have tables. Tables are composed of zero to N items. Um, a table must have a a partition key. So this is this is really important, kind of identifying what is the the partition key partition key for your table. Um, it is definitely it's a primary key, right? It uniquely identifies an item. But what's really important about it is that it's it's determining the data distribution for your for all the items that are going into that table, right? Like this is what is being used to shard the data, to partition the data. Um, so you want something that is is uniformly um, distributed and and fairly random, right? So you wouldn't want a partition key on like like a status value or like user type or gender. Like those wouldn't be wouldn't be good partition keys, but something like like a UUID would be would be a good choice type thing. So, so partition keys again. This is the the primary way that you're going to uniquely identify the items um, inside your table, um, and it and it does does determine your your data distribution and how well um, the data can be distributed. It can be fanned out and distributed across all the storage resources that are that are there. In addition to the partition keys, you also have something called a sort key. So sort keys, these are, you define keys that basically create indexes that allow you to sort items within that particular partitioning. Some other terminology, to, and we can talk a little bit more about this as, as we have time, there are, there's the concept of a global secondary index. Um, and what this is, is this is a, a way to provide an alternate partition key. These are pretty powerful, but they're also really expensive. I believe the, the, the limit is you can have five of these, a total of five of these. But it, again, when you really, say expensive, you mean like just in terms of um, how much extra computer resources it takes or storage resources it takes or memory it takes? Yeah, I mean, you, this is actually, this is creating duplicates of your, yeah. of your data behind the scenes, right? Because it's, it's now, it's basically saying like, I'm going to use a different partition key. It's you can almost think of it as like it's almost like a whole different database. It's a copy, but it's right. a ran- it's, it's it's shuffled in a in a totally different way, right? So that's what a global secondary index gives you. Um, so the ex- the expense there is that you have the 
you know, your primary table partition key gets updated first. And then after that, it has to make the updates to the global secondary indexes. So that's where some of that, that performance and cost comes into play is just the, the updates of now you have to go do the, all the, the global secondary indexes. Um, and there is latency, right? Because those are not those are those are eventually consistent updates. Um, it's asynchronous, which is what you want. If it was synchronous, it would be your performance would really go down um, quite a bit. So there's some latency there. And then there's the concept of a um, local secondary index, which is similar to the to the sort key as well. It provides you an alternate sort key but it's local to the partition that it's on. So those are some of the you know, overall terminology. But at the end of the day, it's pretty, pretty straightforward and simple. You have these tables. These tables are composed of items. The items, um, they do have schema, but the schema is flexible. That's one of the primary principles of, of NoSQL. Um, and again, it's kind of up to you is how you use this data, like how structured you want it to be and um, how flexible it needs to be. And then you have these indexes, keys that determine how the, how the data is going to be partitioned and then how you want to access it in the most efficient manner that you, that you need. Yeah, pretty straightforward and, and familiar for people that maybe have not worked with, you know, NoSQL databases, but come from the relational database world. Indeed, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is very similar. I mean, just the relational database world, you know, you're going to look at your query um, patterns and you're going to create indexes on certain columns in your in your database right because you want to be able to query on those and you don't want to do a full table scan which means i have to go look at every single item in the table in order to find out whether or not it meets the search criteria right that you want to create an index on it right so that you're only that you can very efficiently retrieve those values and so the right. same same concept applies with NoSQL and with dynamo and and with its indexes and, and keys Right. So there's a whole section on architecture and components that we want to talk about, but I'm thinking we can save that for the next episode because I have, before we talk about that, there's one just thing that's bothering me that I don't know about DynamoDB. And, and it really is for developers, it's the key. It's the crucial thing. What, how do you query a DynamoDB database? Do you use SQL? Do you, what, or do you use a proprietary DynamoDB query language? And if you, and and if it is a new thing that you have to learn, a new query language, how hard is it? And how confident can you be as you're learning it that you're writing good queries? I think, and, and, I, and as you answer that question, like how confident can you be? Just think about how hard it is to be confident that your SQL queries are good. Like it takes a few years of experience before you're like, okay, that's a bad query. Yep, and this is going to be a better query. These, you know, NoSQL databases are definitely built for modern apps. They're very developer-friendly, and you don't really have to go learn, you know, a new query language. Um, for the most part, it's, it's you know, it depends on, again, what, what it is that you are storing. You know, if you're storing, if it's, you're using it as a key value store, obviously your queries are based upon, like, your key. Like, so you're saying, here's my key, go, go fetch this value. For documents, Again, you can you can you can reference those by by key by its by its uh, partition key, or if you want, you can do queries where you're saying, "Go get me all the documents where the user is, you know, a super user." And in which case, you're probably you're using something that looks a lot like JSON, right? So you're just it's so it's going to be very very familiar to developers. You're just going to say like, "Here's my JSON expression for 
you know, the, the attribute that I'm going to go search on and for every attribute that matches this value. And then you have things, there'll be like certain placeholders for, for operators. Like, do you want to do and, is it, is it an and query? Is it an or, is it, you know, greater than or less than? Um, so some just very familiar concepts for putting together Boolean, you know, Boolean expressions um, for, mm-hmm. for going and, and, and querying this data. So there's that, um, and then there's also there's a very rich ecosystem of of tools and information to kind of let you know how your queries are doing. So you know, just any DynamoDB has the support. Mongo has it as well. Um, you can go analyze your queries. You can get reports on slow running queries. You know, what's taking a long time, and and then also just hit hints on how to go fix it. So there's there's a lot of support there. Cool. Well, that's good. <laughs> You know, SQL being what it is, it's definitely a weak spot for a lot of a lot of folks. Hopefully, that it's a weak spot that people address because SQL is not going away. But um, to to have double the amount of weak spots because because of no SQL database that's just as difficult of a query language as SQL would be would be really burdensome for the whole community. So it's good to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SQL is very robust, robust, very very extensive. There's very few people that understand every every function, every component of the language. Right? It's it's being constantly added to as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like you go look at the documentation for, um, say, like Postgres's version of SQL, what it supports, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh wow, like there's twenty different ways and operators I can use to go roll up aggregations, and it's like, okay, well, you know, what what do I do here? Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Do it, right versus. Um, not nearly as um, uh, expansive in the NoSQL space, right? So it's it's much more constrained. And again, it's kind of this is reflects the data model, right? The data model simpler, so therefore the query language is simpler. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. Definitely a good, you know, first look into how Dynamo is put together and I think we'll probably do one more next next week uh, just to talk about really how Dynamo is, sits in AWS and what's what's going on there and you know because it's not some it's not an application you install on your own server so what is this thing and how is it put together so we'll talk about that next week all right thanks and, guys good yeah, talking with you good talking with you too and thanks for putting it together rich talk to you next week bye bye thanks guys listening to that episode you heard chris hickman john christensen that's me and you also heard rich Tatz, who was our original producer and the person responsible for the idea of mobicast we miss him but we still work with him in other parts of our business um, and also special thanks to our producer roy england and we are real people that you can find and really communicate with and we're available 
at mobicast.fm and also on Reddit at r slash mobicast. See you next week.